Hi everyone, it's Bill Black, the Exit Coach from the Exit Coach Radio Show. You know, one of the biggest questions I get on the show is what exactly goes into a business exit plan and when should I start creating mine? Well, I always tell people that the best time to start was five years ago, but the next best time is now because you never know when you might need it. So we put together a free report that describes what an exit plan is and what you should know. You can get it free by texting EXIT PLAN with no spaces to 44222. That's EXIT PLAN to 44222. Again, text EXIT PLAN to 44222. Welcome to the Exit Coach Radio Show, the show for baby boomer business owners who are looking for cutting-edge information as they plan their 3- to 10-year business succession and exit. Every week, we interview top professional advisors for their best tips, strategies, and precautions so you can be well-planned. And don't miss our one-minute Exit Coach tip of the day on ExitCoachRadio.com. And now, here's your host, the Exit Coach, Bill Black. Well, welcome, everyone. Thanks so much for joining me today. Always a pleasure. And, you know, we talk about a wide variety of topics here at Exit Coach Radio. Uh, we're going to, uh, to switch gears a little bit here today and talk a little bit about technology, and not only technology today, but the technology that you need to keep in mind for the future of your business, uh, both uh, getting it ready so that it can be attractive to a buyer who's thinking about the future, and maybe what you need to do to bring things up to speed from from the way that things have been for you. Maybe you've been ignoring that a little bit. And my guest is Michael Gale, and he is the CEO of Shoreline and the co-author of the Wall Street Journal best-selling book on digital transformation, The Digital Helix. And we're going to talk about why digitally transforming your company correctly is a key step to preparing it to thrive in the decades to come. So with that, Michael, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for joining me today. Hey, of course, it's great to be here. So uh, where would we like to start? Oh my gosh! I think uh, that usually what we like to do is to is to give our listeners a sense of of who you are and a little bit about your background. So tell us about yourself. Yeah, well, let's actually do it through the lens of the book, uh, which is a Wall Street Journal best-selling and Amazon selling book. I think we have spent the last five years with a co-author really researching what is transforming business uh, globally at a sort of high-velocity rate, not just the technologies we use, but the way we're organizing for success, the processes we're now putting into place, the way we now think about solving problems. I mean, about $2 trillion, uh, an incredible number, is going to be spent on digital transformation this year. Uh, so basically, there are only 10 economies in the world that are that large or larger. It is mm-hmm. sort of the size of the Italian economy. So it's a really big deal. It's not just the technology people are buying, but there's a clear understanding that there's a com- completely new business world, uh, both with opportunity and challenges that now face everybody. So if you're a big elephant, huge corporation, it can be pretty scary. I think for the much yeah, smaller much. entrepreneurial businesses, it's really interesting. But I will, I will tell you that the, what we have seen is more and more large corporations looking inside the business practices or markets of small companies and going, how can we glue all these pieces together to make something really large? You know, I look at Uber as the classic example of a single transportation platform that basically looked at every single yellow cab taxi transportation firm in every city around the world and said, how do we put these, you know, two million companies into one basic platform? So I think entrepreneurs or business owners need to realize they have to digitally transform as well, even if they're not on the stock market or on an exchange somewhere. There are going to be enormous pressures to change the nature of your business over the next three, five, or ten years. 
Yeah, and I think when a lot of uh, listeners uh, think about digital transformation, they they probably come up with something like I think about information uh, or organization and how you receive it and and sort it and use it to your advantage. Also, you know how your uh, how your information that your your business is is run and accounted for, and and also out on the if it's a machine shop out on the floor, how you're tracking everything and and uh, transforming your businesses. So those are that's just out of my head. But what are all the facets that you guys have? Uh, oh, let's let's come play up with an with? example. I'll, I'll find an okay. ugly business. I'll describe for you, and I'll describe a pretty one. So imagine you're running a restaurant, sort of chain uh, restaurants, maybe mm-hmm. one, two, three, four, maybe one city. Classic, you know, global small business, highly successful, quality products really important. And you go, do you know, I, I just got to make sure that things like my electricity bills, or more importantly, my food freshness is a big deal. Well, you got staff maybe in a hot kitchen leaving the fridge open to try and cool the room down. Putting a sensor on that fridge that sends you a signal on your cell phone saying, hey, this fridge has been open for longer than 45 seconds in mm-hmm. the downtown location, allows you to manage cost, food quality, and frankly, even management discipline really well. I mean, to some extent, it's not just information. It's a lot about how you use that information to make better decisions. So here's the ugly example. Imagine you have a rat-catching business, <laughs> and mm-hmm. you have to put traps all over the place. Well, you can't send trucks to every single place you put rat traps in every day checking mm-hmm. them. So putting really cheap sensors in a trap that says, hey, this trap's been activated, come and get it, completely changes your transportation system. Imagine you're getting a peak number of calls, and you're a tax you know, uh, accountant, understanding when those calls come in, when those inquiries come in, what common answers you could just send people to, building that sort of living, cheap AI process could completely change the economics of a business. So I think a lot of this is about how do you use technology to fundamentally change the economic nature of your business? And that's the question big companies have been asking themselves in a scared way for five to 10 years. But it's an opportunity for small businesses to really understand the nature of their business. You know, should they have zero inventory models? That sort of stuff, I think, is why an acquirer is going to want to look at a business, not just because they've got a great solid market, a controlled EBITDA, but really are they pushing the boundaries of what their industry looks like so they could be a bigger, better version of themselves? And, of course, you know, one of the big issues is that companies, as you mentioned, have been around for a long time have to transform from what they've been doing, and that gives a competitive edge a lot of times to companies that are starting up with the new technology. So where, does, where do the companies start with that? Um, uh, how, do they, how do they identify what the highest impact and highest and best use of their, their transformation would be? So I think there's, two, there's three exercises, and they're horribly simple. Find a room with walls. You can pull the pictures and paintings off. Stick up white sticky sheets of paper, get your three smartest people in a room and say, right, if we could redraw this business right now and we didn't have to deal with legacy, what would you do differently? What would you stop doing? And what would you do in a new way? The one quote that really motivated the book was from a guy called Michael Schrag, who's the sort of head of MIT Media Labs, the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. And he said very simply, digital makes the esoteric normal. And I think that we tend to see things as incremental steps. This whole shift in the way digital is a platform for a business can allow you to design things, a fridge door, a rat trap, mm-hmm. in ways you may never have thought of before. So I think getting to that whiteboard, clean board meeting, it's remarkable what you could produce. Again, if I look at the tax software companies, I look at restaurants that now 
allow you to order from the desk without seeing or the table without seeing a waitress mm-hmm. uh, and mm-hmm. how McDonald's is starting to use that. I, if I look at the way that a vast array of you know high craft businesses are working on a near zero inventory model because then they can get hold of everything to move there. You should be using digital to re-engineer and reinvent your business. If you're already successful now, you can't be successful in the same way going forward. It just won't work. You have to think about how you're going to re-engineer that success for a world, you know, five, ten years from now. It's going to be radically different. Fantastic. Yeah, it's it's exciting to talk about. I think it's a little scary for the average worker out there who's wondering, well, there goes my job. Now what am I going to do? Uh, what what do you see in your uh, in the future as as far as retooling or re-engineering some of these people who were doing some of these jobs and now they're they're uh, what, what will they be doing? Yeah, so I think there's an interesting split. Well, some of it's your own psychology. You know, we're an optimist because history's shown us technology and the way we think naturally evolves. Or are we sort of anxious because we can't really predict or see the future? So if you look in the retail industry, physical retail, which is a tough business at best, the organizations, and we found this in our research, that really understood you have to turn your first-line workers, these people on the edge of the business, into advisors, not just mechanics, saw remarkable shifts in their economics. I mean, 60 70% better than others because they put the power in the person at the moment where it matters. So if you and I are in a retail store mm-hmm. and you ask me a question, if I had a tablet that said, hey, look, here's what people like you did. Here's some feedback on that product from the Internet. And by the way, I've got six of these products I can get to within three days. That's the sort of power we need to put in people's hands. I just don't think robots or AI can do that. I do think uh, when I talk about things like zero inventory, that really requires human ingenuity to think through how to make that happen, how to move it around. And I do think we're at a point where we need to reskill large sections of populations and small businesses to be able to focus on how do I add more value versus how do I push things around. And I think that humans are incredibly adaptive, but owners and managers need to commit that investment in their people so that they say, how do I make my people more valuable, not just how do I replace them? Because once you replace people with technology, your business can become replaceable itself. Very good. And that leads us to our point of of how to make your business more attractive to a buyer by being on the the cutting edge or or at least uh, thinking about it in various ways. Uh, When when business owners start to think about that, again, uh, you mentioned you know start with the start with the the whiteboard or white the white board, wall yeah. if you will uh, and 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 start to brainstorm and think about how would you re-engineer how would you do things differently uh, and w- did I mean there's customers uh, customer service is a great example um, I'm hearing that uh, artificial intelligence is is ingrained in customer service that now has the capability of responding to 10,000 different internal requests or customer mm-hmm. requests, uh, either from employees or, or from customers again. Uh, that's just one example. And all of these things you're talking about with sensors, uh, where does it, where is it all headed? Where do you think it's all headed? <laughs> yeah, we have a podcast series of Forbes and starting sort of about the future. I think it's headed in three places. Um, if we believe we should be automating the mundane, I think it really can free up humans to be unbelievably good. As I said, if you're in retail, and I can turn you from an assistant to an advisor, we all know that more human interaction, more knowledgeable human interaction, just drives better business practices. I think the second thing it's going to lead to is a a better understanding of what makes a business unique 
um, and what really makes a business solid because it's just been there and therefore it's sort of one by default. I think particularly in the small business market, you've really got to understand, I'm a, am I a player because there needs to be a player in this market and I'm doing what I need to do? Or am I a player that has potential scale, not just to service market A or B or C, but maybe markets D, E, F, G, and H? And I think we're going to have businesses fall into two pockets, what I call local natural supplier, or you know, I can supply something because there has to be players, and really scalable ideas and experiences. And that's the moment I think where CEOs need to sit there and say, am I a massively scalable idea or am I a beautifully run local enterprise? And that could change how we hire, how we sell, how we manage businesses. But I think it's going to put a lot more businesses out there because people underestimate the uniqueness of what they offer as a company. That's terrific. That's great, uh, great insights. Um, when, when you uh, examine uh, what companies are doing to, to integrate with digital technology, what are some of the, the biggest mistakes that you see smaller companies make? I think there's, there's, there's three, and they're painful because we make them as human beings. I think the first is we think if we write a check, we're going to solve a problem. Um, and that's classically what large governments and companies have done. It, writing a check, it should be around solving a problem, not buying something. <clears throat> that's a huge issue. It's, most small businesses are incredibly intense, you know, 80-plus-hour-week activities, you don't have enough time to re-engineer your business. So if a consultant says, hey, write me a check and I'll do it for you, huge, you know, warning flags on that, it won't happen. I think, secondly, you have to, you have, to have a vision. You have to look at and say, what could we be, not what are we? And therefore, anything you buy, service, time, technology, has to solve the what could we be, as well as partly solving the mechanical issue of now. And then there's a third simple issue it's sort of Newton's laws. Any action has an opposite and equal reaction. So if I try and automate my customer service using chatbots, what else mm-hmm. am I going to need to change my organization to make it real? And I think that lack of consequential discourse often means you start a project, you spend some money, but you leave terribly disappointed halfway through, and that bitter taste in your mouth stops you actually then transitioning through. So starting with a whiteboard activity allows you to think about what could be and what needs to be, and everything will gently more, will cascade more gently than trying to say, hey, here's a check, go and sort it out, because you don't know the, half the challenges or opportunities until you've really examined them. Terrific. So let's talk about this uh, in your book, The D- Digital Helix. Uh, can you briefly describe what is the digital helix? I know it's, it's people should read the book. <laughs> And, well, no, uh, I, I, hey, people get value without tell- reading. Why not? It's the digital age. So what we found was yeah. that every, you know, 98% of organizations really want to digitally transform their business. They understand the vision, but there are various impediments to success. You know, one of them is, do you really understand the drivers that are changing your world? For example, millennials are going to be the largest part of the global workforce in less than 12 months. Do you really sell to millennials? Well, do you understand them? Right? It's incredible number when you think about it. As a boomer, I feel sad that our time is nearly up. <laughs> um, you know, second issue, are, are you actually capable of facing the challenges you face in this process and actually resolving them? Because for all the good intent, you understand the world. If you can't physically handle the challenges, you'll sort of trip over your own shoelaces. And then the third thing is there's a set of organizing principles, the digital helix, uh, that we recognize through the research, we've got a million dollars doing this, that actually define empirically where success goes. And we recognize if you have focused on these seven attributes on an ongoing basis, you generally understand your drivers, you're sort of focused on the challenges, 
but you understand these very particular digital assets, uh, you will be successful. We measured it across 11 industries last summer with Forbes, uh, really deep models in each market from retail to healthcare to you know, consumer product goods to professional services. There's a DNA of successful organizations, about 20 to 28% in each segment, that really indicates success. So focus on that DNA, understand what it is, and you'll be able to get through this seismic change period far better than those that try and use old mechanisms or ideas or thinking to try and solve, you know, what are basically new challenges. That's the book. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I definitely, uh, you you intrigued all of us, I think, with that description. The set, You mentioned the seven attributes that, that are part of the digital helix, uh, understanding your DNA, and, uh, you know, I think we mentioned that, that what are the next best steps to getting to know your own digital DNA before you spend money? Would that be the beginning with the, the white wall, if yeah, you will? Yeah, the white wall. Yeah, it's absolutely. And I always giggle because it's, it's a self-managed activity. You just have to be honest. But the amount of positive revelation you get out of this is quite incredible because you, one of the things we found empirically was that the most successful organizations said to us, we found out more about our own DNA, revealing new assets than we'd ever thought was feasible with this process. And I think what you recognize very fast is the act of discussing this, because digital does make esoteric sort of normal, will let you realize things about yourself that are incredibly valuable. You just haven't seen it. Does the book help a listener to understand not so much uh, what they're looking for, but uh, what questions that should be asked yes. in those types of yeah, meetings? So, yeah. yeah. So there are two things I'll give you. Um, there's a site. It's actually inc.digital that allows you to go through this process. Uh, so you answer the questions, I'll send you the answers. But actually, I'm gonna, if you send me an email, I'll send you um, a digital code where I think 500 people can download the book for free. I'm totally happy for them to do that. So it's basically 21 very simple questions. Now, obviously, the magnitude of difference between you know, retail to healthcare will affect the answer. But we have the algorithm for each industry, and I'm very happy to give it to people if they spend basically 10 minutes or so answering those questions. That's terrific. And that, uh, the website you mentioned again was uh, Inc. Inc. Uh, mm-hmm. .digital, yeah. Which is a little bit different for people. They're, they're used to .com or .biz or I whatever. I know, but, but it's Inc. like, welcome digital. to the next 10 years. It's great. Cause, it's yeah, a great use of it. Own, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so so listeners should uh, you know head to Inc.digital uh, find out about uh, all of this uh, and start mapping out your own digital DNA and, and certainly um, uh, purchase the book, The Di- Digital Helix. It's, I'm, I would imagine they'd find it on Amazon and other places it's as well. Amazon, and, but I'll actually send you a digital code and you can give it to your listeners. I'm very happy to let people have you know, first come, first serve because if we get people to be smarter and better at this, they'll produce a better world. You know, the, the thing about small business owners and entrepreneurs is they, they may not be huge in size, but they're incredibly powerful in terms of energy and, I think, value. So, listeners, what you need to do is go back make sure you listen to this no matter where you're listening from. Um, make sure you look for the show notes and look for that digital uh, address that we'll have available for you. Uh, and Michael, this is fascinating information, and uh, you know we just barely scratch the surface today in, in 20 minutes or so, but I really appreciate you coming on, and I wish you the best of success with your book and your your business model 
Uh, it sounds fascinating, and I'm sure we'll be talking again in the near future to bring our listeners up to date to this ever-changing world of, yes, of digital just transformation. Yes, email me. I'll send you the codes, and um, I'm really glad you do this because a living repository of sort of thinking about running a business is really valuable when everybody's so busy doing their own stuff. Yeah, and like you, I mean, a couple things you said that really stand out, and that is that uh, listeners, you need to be thinking about what your business is going to look like and why it's going to be attractive to a buyer, because that's why you're listening to the show, right? To get ready for uh, some kind of a succession or transformation event, and uh, ideas like this are are critical. That, so that when somebody looks at you, they can tell that you're not just a dinosaur business, a dying business, but you're actually you're thinking about the future. You've, you've gone through some of these exercises. So, Michael Gale, thank you so much for joining us once again today, and I really appreciate you uh, sharing these tips, and I hope our listeners will uh, take advantage of your offer. So, thank you. Pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Exit Coach Radio.